1: throughout history and up to modern times. We invite you to pull up a chair,
0: put in your earbuds, and allow us to enlighten, educate, and explore the real reasons why black African-Americans are so angry. Because until you know the whole history,
1: it isn't American history at all.
0: On my honor, I will try
1: To serve God and my country.
0: To help other people at all times. And and to to live by the the Girl Girl Scout Scout law. Law. Well, Courtney, when we were Girl Scouts, you and I said that pledge many times. And my mother, your grandmother, led a host of young girls in that pledge because she was a Girl Scout troop leader. Actually, one of the few Black African-American leaders in the 1960s. Now, the Girl Scout mission is to build girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. Now, even with such a lofty vision, Courtney, the Girl Scouts had their share in upholding systemic racism.
1: That's no surprise, Aunt Carol. Given the background of its founder, Juliet Daisy Gordon Lowe, who founded the Girl Scouts in 1912, raised in Savannah, Georgia, and the daughter of a Confederate Army soldier, it's safe to say she probably didn't envision Black African American girls in the organization.
0: That's probably right. In her book, Juliet Gordon-Lowe, the remarkable founder of the Girl Scouts, Stacey A. Cordery wrote, It's safe to say that in 1912, neither Daisy Lowe nor those who authorized the Constitution considered African-American girls to be part of the all. Um, basically, Lowe feared that an official position, including Black African-American girls as scouts, would make Southern troops quit. So she left the decision up to state
1: and local councils. That sounds like the old concept of state rights. <laughs> it does. Now, but given the freedom to choose, according to the Girl Scouts official blog, Black African-American girls were members of the third U.S. troop formed in New Bedford, Massachusetts. That was in 1913, making it the first integrated troop. The first all-Black African-American Girl Scout troop was formed as early as 1917.
0: That's right. That's right. And they got their start with people like Josephine Holloway, who led the effort to make Southern states include African American scouts. Now, she organized multiple troops, but they didn't have the organization's official okay. So being the scout that she was, she fought a long battle with the Girl Scouts to have them recognized, and she kept up that fight for many years. Finally, she established one of the South's first African American Girl Scout troops. Now, that was in 1942, but that was not the first troop. More of that later on. Today, a camp bears her name, and she is recognized as a pioneer within the organization.
1: As D.L. Chandler writes for Black America Web, Sarah Randolph Bailey also played an important role in the desegregation of the Girl Scouts. Like Holloway, she created another group. It was called the Girl Reserves. They eventually were admitted into the national organization. Bailey also founded the first day camp specifically for Black African-American Girl Scouts. It opened in 1945, and she eventually won the organization's highest honor, the Thanks Badge.
0: Well, Courtney, it looks like the Girl Scouts were a bit ahead of their times in some respects when it came to integration in the mid 20th century. In the archives of the Girl Scouts of America, there's a photo of both black and, girl, uh, black and white Girl Scouts at Camp Indian Run in Philadelphia, and that was in 1941. By the 1950s, a national effort to desegregate all Girl Scout troops began, and the African American Registry reports, by 1956, Girl Scouts had become part of the early civil rights movement, with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. calling the Scouts, quote, a force for desegregation.
1: One of the early history makers when it comes to Girl Scouts is a woman named Maggie Lena Walker.
0: Well, Courtney, besides having the same first name as your grandmother, my mother, Maggie, and the first name of my grandmother, your great-grandmother, Lena. Maggie Lena Walker's relationship to Girl Scouting makes her a heroine in my book already, and I believe you have a story about her and how it relates to addressing systemic racism in Girl Scouts, as well as some of the other groundbreaking firsts this amazing woman
1: accomplished. I do. And so I can't wait to share this story with our listeners. Now, at the turn of the century, Maggie Lena Walker was the foremost female business leaders in the United States. She gained national prominence when she became the first woman to own a bank in the United States. Her entrepreneurial skills transformed Black Business practices while also inspiring other women to enter that field. Now, Walker was born to enslaved parents on July 15, 1864, in Richmond, Virginia. And after the Civil War, her mother worked as a laundress and her father was a butler in a popular Richmond hotel. When Walker's father was killed, she had to help her mother financially by working now although his death was ruled a suicide after he was found floating in the James River Walker later revealed that she and her mother had always had the suspicion that he had been murdered oh wow murder Hmm. murder that's such a a tragic thing and it will haunt uh, Lena Maggie Lena Walker later in her life because there'll be another tragedy that will bring this back up for her But moving forward, she attended a local school in Richmond, and when she was just a teenager of 14 years old, she joined the Independent Order of St. Luke's. Now, that's an African-American benevolent organization that helped the sick and elderly in Richmond. Within the organization, Walker held many high-ranking positions. The United Order of St. Luke's was a Baltimore-based women's mutual insurance society that provided for the care of, of the sick and burial of the dead. Now, the United Order was one of several African-American fraternal organizations dedicated to supporting the social and financial advancement of the black community of the time. Now, according to historian Joe Trotter, fraternal organizations such as the Order of St. Luke helped to shape African-American identity, protected members of the community against poverty and other misfortunes, and supported movements for social change. Although initially restricted only to women, the United uh, Order eventually admitted men within their ranks.
0: Well, that sounds like quite a group of organizations, and it's all about self-help in the community.
1: It's one of those groups I think we we may need today as well. They were very Mm forward-thinking. Now, by 1899, the Independent Order of St. Luke was on the verge of bankruptcy when its leader stepped down. But that's when Maggie Lena Walker stepped up and set the organization on a new uncharted course. Now, under Walker's guidance, the Independent Order of St. Luke's fortunes were completely reversed. Although she inherited that order in deep deficit, it over 25 after 25 years of her leadership it collected nearly 3.5 million claimed 100,000 members in 24 states and built up over $100,000 in reserves
0: my goodness she was a financial whiz
1: she was now she Walker viewed the economic empowerment of the black community as a means to fight oppression Walker believed that banks were the pathway to building wealth and providing capital to fund businesses that could create strong, thriving communities. But when white banks, now white-owned banks refuse to accept deposits from or to lend to Black communities. That's all part of that systemic racism we've been talking about in every podcast. Exactly. And she realized that money might be the motivation the community needed. Now, in 1901, in a 1901 speech, Walker said, Let us put our monies together. Let us use our monies. Let us put our money out in usury among ourselves and reap the benefits ourselves. Let us have a bank that will take the nickels and turn them into dollars. Powerful speech. Powerful. A very powerful speech. Now, since she all since she had always focused her efforts on accounting and math, her first business endeavor had been a community insurance company for women. So starting a bank was the next natural step. Now, it makes sense. It makes sense. But starting a bank is tough, though. Imagine this. It's the early 1900s, 40 years after the Civil War, and Maggie was a black woman, the daughter of former enslaved people, and she lived in Richmond, Virginia, the former capital of the Confederacy. On top of that, there was no instruction book that says, hey, this is how you make a bank. And she didn't have much money. Walker wanted to enter the still male dominated field of banking at a time when women did not even have the right to vote all the odds were stacked against her.
0: Well, this doesn't even sound like a chance in, well, a snowball's chance
1: in, well, you know where. H-E double hockey sticks. That's it. (laughs) But she embraced the challenge. And in 1903, Walker created St. Luke Penny Savings Bank in Richmond, the first woman of any race to charter a bank in the united states the bank offered checking and savings accounts mortgages and capital to entrepreneurs whose businesses could stimulate economic vitality in the local black african american community now on the first day of operations customers deposited a total of 9000 dollars now that doesn't sound like a lot to you or i but in today's money that equals out to 250 thousand dollars and that was a massive feat in the segregated south and a big step forward to black
0: self-help wow she really managed to rally that community to get behind that
1: bank She sure did. Now, the Penny Savings Bank not only attracted adults, but Walker worked to appeal to children by passing out little banks, which encouraged them to save their own money. Now, Walker's outreach to children and youth was something she did throughout her life, and I'll talk a little bit more on that later. Now, Walker didn't stop with banking. In 1902, she published the St. Luke Herald. And through the paper, she encouraged African-Americans in Richmond to harness their economic power by establishing their own institutions. Now, 50 years before the influential Montgomery bus strike, Walker used her newspaper to organize a strike against the Richmond streetcar system in protest of its segregation. Now the strike proved instrumental in the street cars, the streetcar companies bankruptcy two months later. She was well ahead of her time. She was unstoppable and and well, well ahead of her time. No, Walker encouraged her neighbors to patronize African-American businesses and she set the example by founding her own department store. So she wasn't just saying it. She wasn't just talking about it. She was going to be about it. So unlike the white-owned department stores in Richland, her stores did not force African-Americans to use separate entrances. She even let them try on clothes before they could buy them. The store was run by Black employees and geared towards Black consumers with goods that they wanted at more affordable prices than those white retailers. Mm,
0: That, again, ahead of her time, a department store that catered to the business of the uh, community. I love it.
1: And made the people feel like people and not just second-class citizens. So, of course, Mm -hmm. they wanted to buy more. In spite of all these dazzling successes, though, Maggie Lena Walker was struck by an unimaginable tragedy that would have stopped any other woman in her tracks.
0: Oh, my, Courtney, as much as I hoped otherwise, something told me this rags to riches story had to take a turn for the worse. So let's take a break. Then when we come back, we'll hear what happened to Maggie, what she faced, but more importantly, how she dealt with it. Want to learn more about systemic racism? Or maybe you want to leave us a comment, rate our show, subscribe, get lots of swag, or reach out to us on social media. Well, you can. Go to our website, www.podpage.com, Why Are They So Angry?, and connect with Courtney and me. You can even sign up to take our course, Systemic Racism, See It, Say It, Confront It. All that waiting for you at www.podpage.com. Why are they so angry? See you there. All right, Courtney, we're back. You were telling us about Maggie Lena Walker, a true pioneer in every sense of the word. And I'm anxious to hear what happened to her next and if it led to her demise.
1: Well and Carol before the break we heard about Maggie Lena Walker's amazing success as a banker, department store owner, civic leader, educator, newspaper publisher and all around entrepreneur. But there but these successes were not enough to shield her from heartbreak and tragedy. Oh no. Now, in 1915, Walker's husband was killed and even and being killed was a tragedy enough. But it was who killed him that made the story even more heartbreaking. It was Walker's son, Russell Walker. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. He had shot his father accidentally, making he had mistaken him for an intruder into the home. And he was arrested for murder. And after five months awaiting trial, he was declared innocent but Russell never recovered from the accident. And after eight years of battling depression and alcoholism, he did pass away in 1923. Oh,
0: tragic. Very tragic.
1: Very, very sad. And Maggie herself faced serious health issues after her husband's death. She developed diabetes. And after having a fall down the flight of stairs, she suffered a leg wound that would never heal um, with complications to her diabetes, which confined her to a wheelchair in the last decade of her life. Uh Now, don't think that stopped her. Don't, don't let yourself think that, that was, she was stopped by the wheelchair or the fall. She remained courageous and soldiered on. She continued working for the Order of St. Luke and also held leadership positions in civic organizations, including the National Association of Colored Women. And in addition, she served as vice president of the Richmond chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, better known as the NAACP and she was one of the few women to serve on the national board of the NAACP.
0: Wow. By... In spite of those tragedies, she In... still persevered.
1: That's right. Nevertheless, she persisted. Now, in 1924, her banking efforts continued to blossom. Hmm. The Penny Savings Bank spread to other parts of Virginia and included more than 50,000 members. During the Depression, it was one of the few banks nationally to receive the FDIC certification. And that's now, a big deal.
0: That is. To, oh, my. How did they manage that? Who knows? Wow.
1: Now, while other banks were were collapsing during the Great Depression, St. Luke's penny savings survived. The bank merged with another Black-owned bank to create Consolidated Bank and Trust. Consolidated Bank operated as the nation's oldest continually operated Black-owned bank until 2005. The bank eventually consolidated with two other large banks and moved to downtown Richmond and the And the bank under the brand of Premier is still operational today. Wow, what a legacy. All started with that merge with St. Luke's, all going back to Maggie Lena Walker. Now, although limited in her physical movement, Walker remained a leader in Richmond in the African-American community. She fought arduously for women's rights as well. For much of her life, Walker served as board member of the Virginia Industrial Home for Wayward Girls. Now, on night on December fifteenth, nineteen thirty-four, Walker did pass away from complications due to her diabetes. Now, her house, uh, Walker, uh, Magdalena Walker's house in Richmond, has since been designated as a national historic site by the National Park Service. Well,
0: Courtney, she is quite a legend, a woman that um, you know, has a stature that's amazing, but she has to be one of the least well-known yet outstanding women of all time. Now, you did mention the School for Girls, but I'm, I'm
1: intrigued and wondering about her connection to Girl Scouts. That's one of the best parts, Hank, Carol. According to the National Park Service, it was Maggie Lena Walker who founded the first African-American Girl Scout troop south of the Mason-Dixon line in 1932. This was something that had been a bone of contention for many years. In spite of resistance from the national organization, she fought to form Girl Scout Bird Troop No. 34. Troop 34 met regularly on the campus of Virginia Union University. A historical marker is on the campus building where they met. Although Troop 34 is no longer active, its legacy lives on. There is an estimated 22% of girl scouts of the Commonwealth of Virginia of the Commonwealth of Virginia membership that is Black African American. Today, Girl Scout troops in Richmond regularly make trips to the Magdalena Walker National Historic Site, where they explore the history of of this Girl Scout trailblazer and do a series of activities leading to earning their Junior Ranger badge. Hmm. Now, Aunt Carol Magdalena Walker paved the way for women like Dr. Dorothy B. Furby, who served as the first black vice president of Girl Scouts USA in 1969, and Dr. Gloria Scott to be chosen as their first black president in 1975. Biggest of all, though, and the largest advancement was in 2020, when former Girl Scout and Exxon executive Judith uh, Batty became interim CEO and the first Black woman to lead Girl Scouts USA. Well, Courtney, all
0: these women and the Black African-American Girl Scouts like you and I owe a debt of gratitude to women like Maggie Lena Walker, who would not be deterred in business as well as in civic groups like Girl Scouts. She made an impact. Courtney, I am so glad you brought Walker's story to light. And uh, as I said earlier, not much had been known about this woman, but I'm happy to say that more of her amazing story will be available to the public. In 2009, William and Mary University students made a startling discovery. They had gone into the dark, dusty attic of that St. Luke Hall in the Jackson Ward section of Richmond, that St. Luke Hall, which was where that fraternal organization met they found 31 boxes of documents and photos relating to the astounding life of Maggie Lena Walker. The university is meticulously storing and preserving the papers, then They're going to turn those over to the National Park Service, which operates the Maggie L. Walker National Historic Site in Richmond. And also, there are plans to have a complete digital set housed on the William & Mary website that will be available to anyone.
1: Wow, and Carol, finding those papers was major. The Maggie L. Walker Historic Site sounds like a pretty important place to learn about this astounding woman and a great place to house those papers.
0: Yes, it is. The National Historic Site includes Mrs. Walker's home and several surrounding buildings covering about a quarter of a city block in Richmond, Virginia's historic Jackson Ward neighborhood. And remember that's the neighborhood and the community that she brought to life with all of that economic development. There's a 10 foot tall statue of Maggie Lena Walker um, that stands very near the neighborhood. And that neighborhood had actually once been called the Harlem of the South. And much of that thriving growth was due to Walker and her work to create economic independence for black Americans,
1: And it's not all history either, right Aunt Carol? Maggie Lena Walker's outreach to the youth continues this very day through that site.
0: Yes, it does. Each July, the National Park Service sponsors the Maggie L. Walker Summer Youth Leadership Institute, and it's open to youth 14 to 18, uh, and it's, a, it's free. It's a free two-week experiential program for youth interested in developing leadership skills and, com- and uh, participating in community service projects. Maggie Lena Walker would be happy about that because she was a leader and definitely invested in the community.
1: And for those youth who aren't lucky enough to get into this very, very competitive program, the National Park Service offers something else for the youth.
0: They do indeed. We mentioned it earlier. It's called the Junior Ranger Program. And in that program, youth can learn about the inspiring life of Maggie Lena Walker. They complete a series of activities and they share their work with a park ranger. And they earn an official Junior Ranger badge. And that's that badge we mentioned earlier that Girl Scouts can earn when they visit the park.
1: Well, that brings Maggie Lena Walker's involvement in helping to wipe out systemic racism in the Girl Scouts full circle. And Carol, and speaking of earning badges and patches, the Girl Scouts now have a Black Lives Matter patch that Scouts can earn.
0: Oh, now that's progress, Courtney. If I were still in Girl Scouts, I'd definitely want that patch. So this is quite a success story. From excluding Black African-American girls to integrating troops, to purposefully eradicating systemic racism in their organization, to having Black African Americans in top leadership positions. Girl Scouts have come a long way.
1: Girl Scouts could be the model for groups to proactively see, say, and confront systemic racism within their own ranks today. As always, Girl Scouts are out front leading the way and leading the charge. It makes me be to be proud to be a Girl Scout as well as you, I am sure. Yes, me too. So we want to dedicate this episode to all former, future, and current Girl Scouts. And in the meantime, if you want to hear any more of our episodes or to find us on social media, please find us on our website, www.podpage.com slash why are they so angry? That brings today's episode to a close. We hope you join us next time when we continue providing the answer to the question, why are they so angry? As always, we hope you learn something so you can see it, say it, and confront it.